DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk jazz basketball with the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowler, Jack Bowler. Good morning. Well, hello again. <laughs> Thanks for giving us a minute to work with Joe Ingles. No problem. You've got practice. He wanted to know if and the first question to you was any good, and he said the first question was, why is Joe Ingles so terrible? <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, worked. Joe. That Joe, worked. Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe. the comedian. Exactly. So I am curious because you sit there and watch him, and you also see the practices and the shoot-arounds and all that, and around the guys on the road you probably get the sense of the mood and all that. And before we get to all the basketball stuff, PK was quizzing Joe on this, and Joe was talking about how, you know, a year ago he hadn't heard his son's voice, and now he hears it all the time. So, yeah, he wants to win and do whatever to win, but, man, nothing can drag you down like that dragged him down. So he doesn't, he doesn't get as high and low emotionally. You know, life keeps him anchored, you know, even keel, which is where you're supposed to be anyway. How much do right. you feel that when you're around the team? How even keel? they got a lot of young guys, and, you know, if you don't have a family to go, to, go home to, if you're living alone, I, I could see where the game, would, for better or worse, would get in your head and stay with you a little more. Do you see no, that? I tell, you, I tell you, I totally agree. I think Joe, you know, with what he went through last year with his son and autism and that diagnosis and the way he's handled it, uh, look, life comes at you pretty quick. And when those situations at home uh, become a part of your life even more, I think it surely uh, obviously impacts you and perspective becomes um, you know, to the forefront. And I think Joe's a great example of that. I don't see him that high or that, that low. I mean, I think emotionally still, uh, the adjustments he's had to go through, you know, just in his professional life of starter, bench, adjustments, uh, maybe not as, a, not as involved offensively, but you look at his numbers, and the example I'll give you is just last night. You know, he took four shots. Joe's probably a guy on a on an average would be, you know, eight shots, nine shots a game. But coming off the bench and working with Jordan Clarkson, Clarkson, uh, a lot of those shots just don't come his way at the particular moment. But he still makes great use of his minutes. I mean, the guy's over five-plus assists a night. Last night, six, five rebounds. And, again, his plus-minus was seven, plus seven. So, all those things come into play, and I, you know, I, I think it's an adjustment, guys. I don't think I don't think any of us would be thrilled uh, to lose your starting position, but at the same time, I think Joe's one of those special players who is more team concept uh, and understands what he has to do, and so that's one reason why Joe is Joe, and he's got that emotional side to him on the floor too. Uh, you know, with the smirk, I, I, you know. Uh, it's uh, the smirk hasn't come as often. The Jazz have struggled, uh, but not the last three games. You're starting to kind of I think re refine. I'm not sure what Joe said about the three game winning streak, but uh, I think they're building back to confidence, which equates into finding your best style of game as you make that final push of 20 games into the playoffs. So, you know, the dip occurred. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again. And like I said before, Joe came on. Uh, you know, maybe the, the the real test to see how far they've come is against a higher level of competition, and that's the Boston Celtics uh, tomorrow night. How much easier is what they're trying to accomplish when Bogdanovich is putting the ball in a basket? 
DK, anytime you hit shots, man, I think the game just opens up. I saw you see confidence immediately from my chair when an early shot is made, and especially if it's Bogdanovich. And you know what he did last night, too, and he continued to show flashes of athleticism uh, more than I thought. I've said this before. I thought we were just getting a three-point shooter, but he's a more dynamic athlete than that. Uh, he's, he's good to the, to, to the rim. He can finish when he's on. Now, he struggled, no question. And he was, no one was more harder on, on Boyan Bogdanovich than Boyan. And I respect that. I mean, he called himself out. He's got to play better. And you know what? He's turned it around. And so even though, you know, these wins have come against the Wizards and the Cavs and uh, the New York Knicks, uh, still you have to win. And you win on the road. It's not easy to win on the road anywhere in the NBA. But the Jazz have two in their pocket. And, again, the Boston game, will, will I think, will kind of give us a lot of information of how far they've come. But uh, Bogdanovich... What I like about him is first his personality too. He's he, he just has that cool, calm, assassin kind of approach to his game. Most three point three point shooters do, but also I, I'm I'm impressed with his you know his dribbling and his ability to to use the body as strength and get to the rim and finish when he's when he's hot and when he's on. And that's kind of what we saw a combination of last night. You know, he called himself out in front of the the gaggle there. You know, it was a whole yeah. group before the the pregame show, and it was just so matter of fact and definitive, but no real emotion in that. Uh, no, I found that kind of odd. I can't say I've never seen it happen, but you don't see it happen very often. I wondered if he was putting too much pressure on himself, but it seems to have worked. Yeah, he was stone cold, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he was. I think he was talking to himself almost in the mirror. Is what he was doing when he was, as you said, in the gaggle of uh, reporters, and I, you know what, I think fans appreciate truth uh, and honesty, and I think that's who he is up front. You know, uh, being around him, he's really. Uh, did you see the video clip of him on the plane the other night doing a little dance? And that was kind of the loosest I've ever seen Boyan in his in his short time with the Jazz. Uh, I think it was Donovan. Uh, put a clip up about him just doing a little dance on the flight, and Rudy was was laughing, and it was just kind of like showing you who Bojan really is. I think he's a true professional, hard on himself, wants to win in the worst ways, and he doesn't really let himself come off that plateau often. So, um, you know, maybe being having a a fun moment kind of helps along the way. You, you still got to keep life real. You think Conley's settled in, and this is what we'll get the rest of the way? PK, that's another great question. I think you start to see a, uh, and the only thing you can do is, you know, as Locke would say, is some analytics here, and uh, you know how you have to give it like a five to ten to twelve game sample size, and the sample size is growing right in his favor. Mike maybe is another guy that was uh, truthful to himself, understood that he wasn't playing at the level he wanted to, worked through some injury. Uh, you know, he's heard the. Um, the concerns uh, on you know social media about whether or not he fits and his you know playability, and I I think maybe again he stepped back from him his game as well and and he's healthier and he's starting to seem he seems PK from my chair and I'm sure you see what I see he seems more comfortable more confident I don't see him thinking about what to do instead of just act you know. The, the action of playing, it's just a natural motion now for him instead of the hesitation that I, that I was seeing 
uh, earlier. So if that's the case, that's good news. That's good news for the Jazz. See, I think a lot of this is getting put on Mike and Joe. I think it's the front office. I think that cutting Jeff Green, I think that trading Exum for Clarkson, and at the same time, you got to put the coaching staff in there too because they make the switch at center, and Bradley starts getting more minutes, and Davis largely has gone to the bench. He's played a little bit, but largely he's gone to the bench. And I think that when Joe and Mike were out there playing two-on-five and three-on-five, while Mike tried to learn the system, while all the new teammates tried to get to know each other, while there were a couple guys out there who couldn't score it and spread the floor, now Mike's, well, the offense isn't working. Well, it's not working because you don't have the right players. And now he's trying to go one-on-one, and he doesn't really have confidence in what he's supposed to do, so he's kind of falling back on what he did in Memphis. I think when you look back on it now, it's clear that that was a recipe for totally inconsistent play. And that's why they were just a couple games over 500. He gets hurt. Uh, Moody, to his everlasting credit, is ready to go and is constantly improving. Conley sits on the bench and sees the offense start to function the way it's supposed to because they got five guys who fit together on the floor. And I think Mike is then is like, okay, that's how it's got to be. Here's what I got to do. Now, he had to sit his 20 games, and it took a while to get back into playing shape and all that stuff. But now over 10 games, he's 15 points and 5 assists. He's 47.5% shooting, 38 from 3. It's like, I think this is completely repeatable. I think this is who he is. I don't think his numbers get much better, although we got some people on a poll question here, about 30% of them think they do. I don't think they get much better because Donovan and Joe need their possessions, and he's not going to have the ball all the time. And he's probably right, not right. going to shoot better than 47.5%. But if he does, because he does get some easy looks, and it's just like, just do the stuff that's easy. And everything else will fall into place because the other guys can do it. But those first 20 games, I just don't think that was a fair test. They just didn't have the right combination of guys. And, and making that switch as soon as possible, the trades and the lineup changes, I think that changed everything. Well, what it did too, uh, DJ, is that uh, I think it made – I think it exposed Mike somewhat. And what I mean by that is when you're in the same system and you're the – the main ball handler for 12 years and you're working with Gasol, who's a totally different uh, big man than Rudy on a pick and pop. That was kind of his game. And Rudy has to have the ball delivered as we all know exactly, you know, on a, on a high level at the rim. I think Mike, again, every, I think, I think jazz fans thought this was just going to be a really easy transition in reality. It wasn't. And then the injury comes and then the, uh, the whole hum, uh, decisions of like, well, look, Moutier uh, can take this position and run with it. But remember, the Jazz made a big investment on the financial side, and they want this to work. They have to have it to work. And uh, I think Mike put a lot of pressure on himself again. The hamstring flared up not once but twice. And then PK, uh, you know, social media allowed people to start chatting, talking. He heard it. I think he pulled back a little bit. And now all of a sudden, I think he's like Joe, where he just is kind of, you know, falling into place of what life throws at you and try to get more comfortable. And I think you make a great point, DJ, about how many shots he's going to get. Look, Donovan has to have his shot. Bogdanovich has to have his shot. Rudy wants those shots and usually gets them. And when they don't, the Jazz seem to have some more struggles. Well, that's not he took uh, eight, made seven. That's kind of the go-bear way. Now, who's struggling or who doesn't get the shots as much would be Joe because of his position off the bench. Because why? Jordan Clarkson is just an, a green light offensive player who's going to get his shots as well. 
just the way it ha- happens when he handles the ball so much with that second unit. So uh, everyone's adjusting. I know fans don't want to hear that, but this has been evolving a constant a constant season of, of evolving into who they are, and maybe they finally are who exactly who they are. And it's been a long trip to get there, and I think fans were expecting it to be a little quicker, especially with Conley and, and the, the way that we saw him play with Memphis uh, for those so many years and the, and the guy he is and a good person, by the way, and a good locker room uh, guy. But just on the floor, it just didn't happen as quick, I think, as uh, everyone thought it would. How big of a deal do you think this Boston game is? Personally, I think it's big. I do, because you're you're looking, staring at a big, talented team. Uh, and, of course, when the Jazz were struggling, uh, they popped the Jazz in Salt Lake City just, what, a week and a half ago. So uh, I think it's big for the confidence of this final 20-game run, PK. Uh, you know, you go back and play Detroit on a back-to-back, come home, play Toronto, another good test, on your home floor after losing four in a row. So that one has to be another one you mark on the calendar and then what the Jazz do from here on out is play every other night uh, home and away, home and away, home and away a lot of one night just hop on a plane, go play, come back play, go on the plane, go back and that's what the Jazz are facing the rest of the way so Boston I think for fans, for me for you guys, I don't know how you feel about it but again, you get the three wins but against teams that are of the lesser opponent level, right? sub 500 lottery bound so this this game to me will what we're discussing right now if it's true and bogey's back and mike's comfortable and joe you know is is getting more comfortable in his role now after being you know back pushed back to the bench then if they're all in that role as we've been talking about i think we'll see a better play um less indecision because i think they're much better together now uh, that's what I've watched over the last three games since since they lost the four straight. Uh, they pulled themselves out of the slide, and they just seem to be playing without really overthinking the game too much. So have the Jazz adjusted to not playing with Rudy behind them to the same degree? Have they faced that enough now and tried enough different things that kind of settled in what works for them? Whether, whether they uh, – and they put – make him defend out on the three-point line on the weak side a long way away from the ball? Or as Joe said, some teams want to put him in the corner so he can't possibly help because he's given up a corner three. So they've they've faced this. It seems like teams have kind of boiled it down to two approaches. Very few teams let him be in the middle of the floor anymore. That just seems pretty rare. But are the guys used to not having him behind him? Because that's a security blanket to get used to over the course of two or three years. Well... DJ, I think that's another interesting concept because Gobert is just the protector, and I think you know you can kind of lull and maybe as a as a player with a Gobert on the floor, you don't have to maybe work as hard in your mind defensively. So a little wake up call, but I've also watched Gobert play more aggressively and recover as we saw him last night on a couple occasions, his lateral movement's impressive on his ability to shade a guy back to the rim and block his shot. So he's still out on the three-point line, but to his credit, I think he's more engaged. He himself, I think, is um, understanding uh, the need for him uh, to 
understand the the the, the, the system that that he's up against, and I think he has. I, I'm really impressed uh, just during this three game stretch, and especially in Cleveland when he had the five blocks. His recovery speed and timing is really impressive. I think that's one thing he's worked on, and is I think people have got to give him credit. Uh, you know, he's just a, he's not just a standstill type guy that blocks shots. He actually now is kind of proving, showing that he can laterally move with a lot of guys from the three-point line and then block that shot as he recovers back to the rim. Uh, so it's it's got to be a team concept. But I think, you know, Rudy, again, puts a lot of pressure on himself. He's an all-star. There maybe was an all-star hangover with him and both Donovan because they, they worked so hard to get to that level. And then when it was over, you realize you got to go back to work. So there's a lot of things that come into play here. And hopefully... You know, they've worked through it over the last two weeks, and who they are is what we're watching right now. But I'm still, I still want to see it against a Boston or a Toronto, a high-level team that you would have to run through. Not in the West, obviously, but in the East. Those are Eastern powers, Eastern Conference powers that uh, should give us a pretty good indicator of where, where the Jazz truly are. He's Craig Bullerjack. And he'll be on TV Friday and Saturday night. It's the Boston Celtics Friday. It's the Detroit Pistons Saturday. And then back home for a change of clothes. Thanks, Bowler. Hey, guys. A weekend double dip. Get uh, You'll get a good taste of jazz basketball. And uh, we'll talk next week. Craig Bowler, Jack, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.